0: again fight fans welcome to episode 309 of the neutral 100 years old this year so this is pretty badass guys you're gonna want to check this out i guarantee you these uh collector specials that we're doing um they're always a hit they're always a hit and of course this one is going to be a big hit too so make sure you guys check that out we've got a loaded loaded show for you guys as always uh, i remind you make sure that you are subscribed make sure that you're giving ratings reviews Hit that thumbs up button while you're at it. If you want to help out, the best way to do that, go to monteroonboxing.com. And there, if you want to leave a tip for the show, uh, you could do that. There's several different ways you could do that. Also, if you want to get some MLB gear, if you want to get a Montero Unboxing t-shirt, we've got six different colors, different sizes. You can order them there. All right, guys. So as I mentioned before, a lot to cover. Uh, Full disclosure, we were going to have Erickson Lubin on the show today. But uh, I talked to his publicist today and I told her and she agreed um, that he needs a break. He had a rough fight Saturday, which, of course, we'll talk about later in the show. But we had all this set up last week for Erickson to come on the show today. Um, He was going to come right on at the top of the show, right at the beginning. But um, just with with everything that he went through Saturday, I was like, hey, let's push this back and his publicist agreed. So um, we might do it next week. We might do it a week after that, but just let just to keep that in the back of your guys' minds, um, we are going to have Erickson on the show. I'm a fan of Erickson Lubin. And um, I, I think that um, a lot of people have been selling him short, you know, after that loss to, to Charlo several years ago, I thought he put up a hell of a fight against Sebastian Fondora this weekend. Of course, we'll get into that in just a little bit, but just want to let you guys know he was going to be on the show here, but uh, maybe we'll have him on next week. Um, we wish him a speedy recovery because boy, that was a brutal fight. That was a brutal fight. that definitely lived up to expectations. So uh everybody here on the chat, make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Boom, boom. All right, just jab it real quick so that we can um we can get the, the likes up. All right, because there's a lot of you want. Uh <laughs> Torian Fox says, hit the likes, you bastards. I love it. Um, Gail says, smash it, you boxing heads. Yep, yep, yep. And a couple of you guys making jokes about um, Sebastian Fondora with loaded gloves. Is that the new thing? Are they going with that now over on uh, some of those Wacko channels? That would be hilarious. OJ says, uh, hit the like people. Yes, everybody. Everybody. And then uh, Jack says, snap the like button, head back with a jab. There you go. Chris Bergen on the chat. Um, By the way, Chris, I'm going to talk about pollen a 100 times on the show so that we get you drunk. Guys, Chris on Twitter today was telling me that every time I mention the word pollen, he's going to do a shot. So I've already said it twice. So you you got two shots you got to do, bro. Honestly, the pollen is a little bit better so far this week. It got a little bit better over the weekend. uh, So I'm not struggling as much, but still not 100%. The wife ain't feeling good either. I mean, you know, at the gym, even all the guys at the gym are saying the same thing like, dude, this shit's kicking my ass. Uh, But I'd say maybe one more week, one more week for everything to get in bloom. And then we'll be over the pollen. (laughs) All right, guys, let me do um, let me do news and notes. Okay, we only got one quick item to cover. I got a bunch of stuff to review. And then, of course, we got a big, big fight to preview this weekend. Uh, I'll get to as many phone calls as I can. But as always, I I just remind you guys, I know some of you like to call in first thing and just sit on on, on hold. I don't know if that's going to work, man, because I'm going to be talking for a minute. So it's up to you if you want to do that. Cool. But it might be better for you to just wait a little while or call in later. I always answer the calls in which they are received. I can't always get to all the calls, okay? Because I know some of you guys were pissed off uh, on my Friday show that I left some of you hanging. That's pretty much how it works, guys. Um, I can only get to so many, right? So I got to cover all this stuff. All right. News and notes. One, well, uh, yeah, only one item this week. Uh, One big item, I should say, that came out last week. Um, Cuban Boxing Federation announced a deal with Golden Ring Promotions that will allow Cuban fighters to go professional and fight abroad. Now, when I first heard this, I was very excited because, of course, the Cuban amateur system has been one of the best in the world for decades. Right. It's it's been between them and the old Soviet system that's now broken up into like a billion different countries ending with the word stan But you guys get the point it was between the cubans and the soviets the two best amateur systems in the world of course at one point it was the united states but um now you know cuba uh and then some of the old former soviet countries the uk uh scene has really really grown by leaps and bounds and some other countries as well but this is exciting news on the surface okay but it's cuba In Cuba is one of the shadiest governments out there. I don't want to offend. I know some of you are going to get butthurt over that. But if we're being honest, let's be honest about this. I'm not going to get too excited until I see some of this stuff play out. So apparently the fighters will train in Havana, live in Cuba, but they could travel abroad to fight. So they're still going to be based in Cuba and basically forced to live there, forced to train there. But they can go to Mexico. I think they have a upcoming their first event might be in Mexico that they're gonna do. They're gonna fight some Cuban guys, they're gonna fight some Mexican fighters. Um, and, and you know, they'll go there to fight. So they can travel to fight professionally, which is cool, but it's not as if these guys are gonna be free individuals that can move wherever they want to move, as I understand it, move any part of the world they want to and relocate and do all this and just totally be independent operators. no, no, no. This is still kind of being run by the Cuban government as I understand it. Do not be surprised if a year or two down the road, we get a report from a journalist uh, breaking down what's going on, and we find out that the Cuban government is taking a percentage of these purses, okay? Don't be surprised. I didn't say, and I'm not saying right now, that that's what I heard. I'm not saying that's what's going on. I'm speculating. I want that to be clear. I don't want anything put on me saying that I... 100% 100% for certain, no, X, Y, Z is going on. But if I had to guess, if I had to guess, these fighters are going to live and train exclusively exclusively in Cuba, and a percentage of their purse is going to go straight to the politicians because that's how things work there. So this is good news. It's a move in the right direction. But am I going to get crazy, crazy as excited about this? Not quite yet. I'm going to look at this with cautious Optimism. Okay. That's all I gotta say about that right now before I get assassinated. All right. Quickly moving on <laughs> to the fight review. Uh, we have a lot to discuss. A lot took place last weekend. So uh it was all on Saturday, too, Saturday, October 9th. We had stuff going on around the world. But uh let's start, let's start with the big one, man. Let's go right over to Japan over in Saitama, which is just outside of Tokyo, and um We'll talk about the main event in a second, but real quick, this 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 co-feature, this this flyweight bout. Junto Nakatani improved to 23 and 0 with a TKO 8 win over Ryada Yamauchi, who, look, Yamauchi isn't some elite level pound for pound fighter. This was a showcase fight. I get it. But for Nakatani, this was the second defense of his flyweight title. Is he the best flyweight in the world? Serious question, because you got Julio Cesar Martinez right there. Um, you've got Sonny Edwards right there. Who's highly skilled Martinez is highly explosive, right? But there's Junto Nakatani, the number one guy yet. I don't know. He's certainly, it's between those three. It's certainly between those three. I like a lot of things that Nakatani does. I'd love to see a combination of those three fighters, uh, go to work and fight each other. I think that would be pretty damn awesome. By the way, Mendeli in the chat says, uh, here, Cuba has pollen issues too. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> I, I just had to get that one out there. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, back to the review. Yeah, man. Um, Nakatani, uh, young guy, hasn't faced truly elite level opposition yet. I, I, I get it. But there's some serious potential there, man. If you guys haven't seen this kid fight yet, you make sure you check it out. Uh, maybe you can find this fight on YouTube or something. Or, hey, if you got the zone, you can watch it anytime. So the main event, Gennady Triple G Golovkin beats Ryota Murata by TKO9. Uh, it was really, really fun getting up Saturday morning, uh, putting on my sweatsuit, The same one I wore the night before when I was watching uh, season five of um, Better Call Saul. We were just watching it on Marathon, me and my wife. Um, I made some coffee, turned on the zone, and watched this fight. Pretty badass. It just worked out beautifully. And props to those guys being smart enough to put that fight on right at the right time where the east coast of the united states could tune in now the west coast it was 5 a.m that's tough for a lot of you guys i get it i get it but you guys hey and i lived on the west coast for 10 years you guys usually get spoiled i used to get spoiled living out there too so for once you guys had to take one for the team this one was for the east coasters who always get screwed so it was nice to wake up just before 8 a.m cup of coffee boom turn on the fight pretty awesome so I but by the way, I did a um a post fight immediate reaction video right here on my channel. You guys could check that out. I think it was like 45 minutes of me ranting about what I had just seen and also the reaction I was seeing on Twitter. And of course, um, I watched and I listened to some of the podcasts. I don't listen to a lot of them, but I will go through and I'll listen to five, 10 minutes of a of handful of them. Usually there's only a couple I listen to the whole thing. Only a couple of them. But there's a bunch of them where I'll just check out what people are saying. And I'll look at the comment sections to see what the fans are saying and people's reactions to to those podcasts, to those shows. And it's funny just to watch narratives kind of shift. It's funny to watch boxing Twitter's um, overreaction, like literal round-by-round overreaction to certain fights. And when it involves certain fighters who are very – polarizing, you know, and, and their position in the game is, is hotly debated. The, the exaggerations and the freakouts are, you know, just all over the place. So the first four rounds between Golovkin and Murata, I thought were split. I split them on my card. I thought it was two rounds apiece. If you actually look at some of the punch numbers, I believe Murata only outlanded Golovkin in that third round. But I gave Murata the second. I I did. Um, It was close, close. And then I think the fourth round was kind of close too. So the second, third, and fourth round, actually the second and fourth round, I should say, were kind of swing rounds, okay? Um, I, I gave one to Murata, one to Golovkin. But the first, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth rounds were all clear Golovkin rounds. The third was a clear Murata round. It was so interesting to watch. The feed, you know, just the the my my feed. Uh, i got to hashtag that fight and just watched it, you know, update. And after the first round, people are like, "Wow, Murata did pretty good." Then the second round, wow, Murata's winning this fight. Third round, oh, it's a shutout, three zero Murata. Fourth round, oh my God, Murata's gonna Murata's gonna stop him. He's gonna he's gonna knock out Gennady Golovkin, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And then. Uh, In the fifth round, sixth round, you know, some of that flipped and then some people just went silent. There was just radio silence with certain people out there because they were pissed, you know, because they were about to have an orgasm and then they lost their boner in the fifth round. So, So that was funny. Guys, this was a 40 year old fighter who hadn't been in the ring for a year and a half, the longest layoff of his career. And it wasn't due to an injury or anything like that. Um, and he hasn't been crazy active at all in the last few years. He has been in some brutal wars. Uh, he's made major changes in training camp and the way they're doing things. Uh, not, I shouldn't say major, he's, he's, but he's made some changes. And uh, changed trainers recently, all that good stuff. Traveling, fighting in Japan against the, the most popular Japanese fighter of all time. Yes, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, Riodo Murata is technically speaking in terms of the ratings and stuff that he does. He is the most popular fighter in Japanese history. And um, I should say most popular boxer. How about that? This was a difficult challenge for Golovkin at 40 years old doing this. In the first four rounds, he looked a little rusty. There was some ring rust. Maybe some of it was age. I think more of it was probably ring rust than age. And here's why I say that. Generally speaking, if it's age slowing down a fighter, it gets worse with each progressive round, right? Older fighters don't start to look better in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round. They don't get more powerful as a fight goes on. Old shot fighters. Ring rust, however, once you knock it off and get into your groove, yeah, you're pretty much done. Ring rust doesn't come back. Like if you knock off ring rust in the first three, four rounds, it doesn't come back in the eighth and ninth round. That's not how ring rust works. So I do think age played a factor because I think if this was a 32-year-old Golovkin, he would have knocked off the ring rust in a round or two. It took him a good four, five rounds to really start to get into a groove. But what was lost on a lot of people, a lot of people, was that Golovkin was actually – he did lose a couple of those early rounds, but it's not as if he was getting his ass whooped and he wasn't doing some good work there. He did some good work. He was able to uh, get some body shots off and get some uh, strong jabs in there that ended up setting up the other punches that hurt Murata later on. And um, he just broke the guy down. A lot is being made about the big shot that good love can land in the fifth that knocked Murata's mouthpiece out. Of course, that was a great shot But it's not as if that came out of left field. It just came out of nowhere. Guys, that shot was set up by four rounds of previous work, even if Golovkin lost a couple of those rounds. I understand that it's jarring for some people to see a guy who's never really looked bothered suddenly look bothered. And a lot of you out there um, underrated Murado so badly. And even now, well, it's funny now because everyone, oh, Murado was always shit. He's always going to be shit. He's never was shit. There's a lot of those people out there. But a lot of you guys underrated Murata so much that it was shocking to you to see him having some success, particularly in that third round, which if you didn't score that third round for Murata, you're fucking crazy. He clearly won that round, and you can make a case for the second and fourth rounds, although those were close. They were close. Um, So anyway, once Golovkin got it going, and once he kind of broke through right? Japanese fighters have an iron will and Murata was absolutely going to go out in the shield. It took a few rounds to kind of penetrate through that brick wall and chip away at that granite. Once he did, it was pretty much one-way traffic, pretty much. Um, so it, it was it's just very interesting to see the narratives out there, uh, especially as it relates to certain fighters. All things being said, Golovkin overall, was it... In, in, A-plus performance, certainly not. I'd give this maybe a B-plus. But considering where he is at in his career at 40 years old, all the wear and tear, 400-some-odd fights over his career, considering he was fighting a guy in his home country, everything I just talked about, pretty impressive win. Pretty impressive win. And technically, listen, I don't rate the WBA very highly. You guys know that. But technically, this was a unification fight. This was a, an eight-figure payday. The global viewership and the ups, the, the financial upside that will come in due to those numbers uh, for Golovkin is this is going to be a very, very profitable fight for him. And it sets things up for the third Canelo fight, which I'm going to call the rubber match. I know it's going to annoy the living fuck out of some of you. I don't care. It's the rubber match. Um, and that's probably going to happen this September because I do think Canelo is going to beat Bevo by decision. Uh, Whether he truly beats him or not, I think that's what's going to happen. So everybody on Twitter, everybody on YouTube, every podcast out there saying that Canelo is going to bludgeon Gennady Golovkin, absolutely beat him up and stop him. And this is going to be a complete domination, a complete washing of Triple G, and that makes some people happy, but there's actually a lot of people out there that are like, man, I just, I like Golovkin. I think he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame one day. I just don't wanna see him get beat up like that, right? There's a lot of people that have that sentiment. I'm telling you guys right now, mark it, timestamp it. This shit's gonna be competitive, highly competitive. Golovkin, I'm not saying I'm picking Golovkin to beat Canelo in September, but it is going to be a very competitive, Closer fight than a lot of you think. I'm going to put that on record now so that when we talk in what five months, and all of you are predicting he's going to get bludgeoned and KO'd, a lot of you are picking Murata to beat him this weekend. You guys have suddenly gone silent. We're going to talk again in September because I'm telling you right now, styles make fights, these two guys have history together. Golovkin knocked off a lot of ring rust at the end of the fight. Look at Golovkin, his face and his body. Look at Murata, his face and his body, and do the math. Golovkin had some tough early moments. The body shots hurt him. Uh, I do think Golovkin could have went to the body much more himself. It took him a few rounds to get his right elbow down to start catching that left hook. He's got to fix that up and clean that up. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. Mark my words. The third fight between Canelo and Golovkin will be competitive, probably go the distance, and probably be pretty close on the scorecards. Yep, I'm going to put it out there. All right, we're going to move on. To the United States, we had three different cards of note. Uh, this top-ranked show in California, I'm not going to talk a lot about it. As far as I'm concerned, it was the weakest show of the weekend. Um, Costa Mesa, California, top rank, ESPN. Michaela Mayer, unanimous decision win over Jennifer Hahn, who has now lost two in a row. I don't know what she was doing in a title fight coming off of a loss. I don't know. A unified title fight, for that matter. Not that I have anything against Jennifer Hahn, um, but it is what it is. So, uh, this was basically a shutout, 10 rounds to zero. Uh, Mayor defends her IBF and WBO 130 pound uh, titles. Here's my thing about Michaela Mayer she's skilled. We saw some skilled women's boxing last weekend, and we saw some shitty women's boxing last weekend, which I'll talk about in a minute. Trigger warning, prepa- uh, be, just be prepared. Uh, but Michaela Mayer is skilled. Okay, Um, I I would not second-guess her skill set. She's got that. However, she can't punch through a wet paper bag. She has no power. In her entire career, I think she scored two knockdowns. She's very much suffering from some of the same issues as Claressa Shields. The only difference is she actually has some talent in and around her weight class to fight. She hasn't really fought the elite-level talent quite yet. She's kind of being brought up in a very, very... Uh, crafted way by top rank. They know what they're doing, but she'll be ready. They'll make sure she's ready when she does step up and fight the absolute best. They're preparing her for that. Jennifer Hahn was 10 good rounds from Michaela Mayer, But with her divisive, polarizing personality, she's very off-putting with media a lot of times. She has an attitude on social media that kind of rubs people the wrong way, very much like Clarissa Shields. Uh, not that I have anything against these women as human beings. I'm just telling the truth, okay? I'm not the only one who said this. Um, there are some people who are scared too because they don't want to lose their jobs. Those people have no penis. And I don't mean that. I mean, they're men. They have they have no balls. How about that? That's better. Anyway, I digress. Michaela Mayer, because of the personality, because of the lack of power, that's going to limit her ceiling in terms of her marketability. Difference being between her and Shields, Michaela's, you a know, pretty good-looking woman. That helps. And she does have some opponents that she could get in there that are going to interest people. Shields has one. We know. Her and Savannah Marshall, everyone's going to be interested in that fight. Uh, with Mayer, there's a couple of women that she could fight that <clears throat> will interest people. But i got to be honest. I'm not particularly interested in watching Clarissa Shields or Michaela Mayer fight. Their style just doesn't do a whole lot for me because I know every single fight is going the distance. There's no drama. When they get in there against a really really top elite level elite level opponent at least then it might be somewhat interesting because they could lose rounds but this level of matchup you know it's going to the cards and it's going to be a 9 rounds to 1, 10 rounds to 0, maybe 8 rounds to 2 kind of a fight. Not particularly interesting when there's all this other good stuff on the schedule and that's just the real Come at me, bro. If that offends you, I'm sorry. All right, let's go to Texas. San Antonio, Texas at the Elamo Dome. Golden Boy Promotions puts on a fun card there. Uh Shane Mosley Jr. scoring a majority decision win over Gabe Rosado. This was a 168-pound fight. Biggest win for Mosley Jr.'s career. He looked pretty good in this fight. Rosado just looked done. I hate to say it. I like Gabe Rosado. He's one of those guys that we need more of in boxing that fights anybody and everybody. And I understand he had a, a big upset win recently, but guys, that was <clears throat> a lucky, I'm not going to say lucky because he set it up with craft and skill. So I regret, I should not have said the word lucky, but it was a freak knockout. Oh, there it is, the power and killing my voice. It was kind of a freak knockout, one punch knockout over back to bully, right? It wasn't as if he completely dominated and outboxed him, right? So I think people put a little bit too much into that. Gabriel Rosado is well past his best, needs to hang him up. I hate to say that because I like dude, but it's time. It's time. In his prime, would anybody have favored Mosley Jr. to beat Gabe Rosado? Probably not. Okay, let's talk about this co-main because I'm going to trigger the hell out of some of you. Marlon Esparza bringing her WBC title on the line against Naoko Fujioka, her WBA title on the line. This this is a a flyweight title unification, right? And this was uh, number one versus, I think, number three or number one versus number two in the division. Either way, at Ring Magazine, we sanctioned this for our inaugural women's flyweight championship because we are unifying two belts here. And we just thought that this was uh, a good fight. And on paper, this looked really interesting. I should mention, Fujioka is 46 years old. Holy shit. So props to her. And everything Golovkin did going into the lion's den against uh, Japanese fighter Ryoto Murata, well, guess what? Fujioka did that going into the lion's den against Esparza because Esparza is from Houston, Texas. And this fight was in San Antonio, Texas. And Esparza's promoter, Golden Boy Promotions, was putting on the event. So Fujioka deserves every ounce of the same credit that we're giving Golovkin for what he did because what she did is equal in her world, in her universe, okay? So let's give credit where credit's due. And she did this at 46. However, this was a competitive fight, a close fight. And both women showed heart, particularly the Japanese fighter who took some hard punches but landed plenty of hard punches of her own. Uh, Sparza showed a good chin too. The skill level in this fight disappointed me. When I'm thinking of a ring magazine championship fight, when I'm thinking of a world title unification with an inaugural ring magazines, championship belt on the line, I'm expecting a higher skill level. D- this just did not look like high level elite professional boxing. Okay. I'm not saying this to be sexist or controversial because there are female fighters out there that I highly respect. And you guys know I've been involved in women's boxing um, and promoting it. Uh, I sit on the ring ratings committee for both the men's and women's. I, I I shouldn't have to go through my list of fucking qualifications. Okay. You guys know it. This isn't me shitting on women's boxing, but this particular fight Was not a good representation, in my opinion, in terms of the skill level fought with. The heart, the grit, the professionalism, all that stuff is there, yes, but the skill level wasn't there. So when you had the Mayor Han fight, which had absolutely zero power, there are gnats that punch harder, and then on this, which high skill though. But then you had this one between Esparza and Fujioka that had a lot of heart, but very little skill. Okay. Um, Not the best representation. And this is why when I hear some of the uh, white knights on Twitter say, look, we got to get the women paid as much as the men. We got to listen, man, you got to get the product just as good as the men. Then the money will follow. Okay. When Marshall and Shields fight each other later this year, the money is going to be there. When Taylor and Serrano fight each other later this month, money's going to be there. When you create the product and get that up to par, the money will follow. It don't work the other way, my friends. So all the white knights out there, fuck off. This isn't about me shitting on women's boxing. This is me telling the truth. Product has to improve. The product has to be more consistently improved. Once it does, and it's it's on its way, okay? But we're not there yet. So this product, it was fun. I'm not saying this this was a, a boring shit fight. I'm not saying that because the main event was a boring shit fight. We'll talk about that in a second. Again, a lot of heart and everything else. But this isn't the product that that, that is on par with what we see over in men's boxing. where we're talking about, a Ring Magazine championship, two major belts being unified, right? Uh, A global kind of fight between a Mexican-American and a Japanese fighter, that sort of thing. Japanese fighter who had won titles in different weight classes, okay? I think you guys know what I'm saying. Now, this is going to be misinterpreted. I'm going to get beat up on Twitter this week for it. But for those of you who actually watch the show and pay attention and know I got a good heart here, you know what I'm saying, right? If I'm crazy, please correct me in the chat. Gail says three minute rounds. I I agree. We should have three minute rounds. Uh, The kid glove treatment with, with the women fighters is stupid. They don't do that over in the UFC. Uh, There's a lot of things that could be better. Okay. But product has to improve. It's on its way. But if you think about this high level elite women's boxing, Okay, where every single sanctioning organization's involved, every single state athletic commission's involved, most countries are now involved. The Olympics is involved in women's boxing. Okay, women's boxing on this scale, it is still in its infancy. If we're being honest, or it's in its infancy. Okay, so, guys, building blocks. Okay, step by step, we're gonna get there. But we gotta be honest on the way. We got to be honest. All right. Main event, real quick. (sighs) The less I say about this fight, the better. Ryan Garcia uh, scores a unanimous decision win over Emmanuel Tago. That's how they were saying it on the broadcast. Tago. I thought it was Tago. Tago, I guess is how you say it. Anyway, for Tago, the native of Ghana, this was his first loss since his professional debut years ago. He was dropped in the second round, but recovered. It was a flash knockdown. It wasn't a big deal. He was off balance and he ran for this entire fight and stunk out the joint. Uh, he was listed by the way, Tago as being two inches shorter than Ryan Garcia. That's fucking hilarious because when I saw these two in the ring, it looked like a welterweight against a bantamweight. I mean, it looked like they were a foot apart. It almost looked like, uh, Ryan Garcia was like Tago's big brother. And they were like, he was 10 years older or something. Like it just, it just looked funny. Two inches shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. These guys, they get real creative with that tail of the tape bullshit. Let's talk about Ryan Garcia. All right. Listen for tego We know his level. Now we kind of knew his level coming in. Now we really know. All right. For Ryan Garcia, he did some things. Well, he also did some things not so well. Now. As a tall fighter myself, it's difficult to fight a short guy, especially a short guy who's running and covering up and bending down and trying to get away from everything that you're doing. It's difficult. However, in a 12-round fight, by the way, didn't that ring look huge? It looked like a massive ring. Why did Golden Boy and every—why'd they go with that size ring? Maybe it just looked that huge because Tago's so little. But they should have went with a smaller ring. Not that I think it would have made that much difference, but the ring looked massive. Anyway, and Tago used every inch of it. But Garcia, I I thought that, listen, he did a couple of things well by staying tall, okay? He stayed tall. He didn't crouch down to Tago's level and get caught with something stupid. He stayed tall, stayed long, so that when uh, Tego tried to throw... um, Uh, counter punches. He was able to catch all of it and just kind of just get out of range while staying in range himself to counter himself. He also, um, he started making an adjustment toward the middle rounds where instead of just throwing a hook up top, he came with some left uppercuts, uh, some 45s, trying to catch Tago because Tago was like trying to move away from the right hand. Tego was moving to his right, right? He was trying to slip. And, and, and avoid the overhand right from Garcia. So Garcia saw that into his credit. Instead of shooting a, a hook that Tago would get under, he started throwing an uppercut, and he had some success with that. However, he didn't jab at all, at all. And I'm sorry, dude, when you got a tiny little short little guy in front of you and he's moving backwards, just stick a fucking jab in his face and do what my coach calls post up, posting up. Stick your damn hand out right there on him. If he slips a jab, cool, keep your hand on the side of his head and just move his head where you want it and throw a right hand. Let the ref say some shit. Let the ref get in in your face and say, hey, you can't do that. Post up on dude. Jab, jab, jab. Post up on him. Right. But Ryan Garcia didn't do any of that. He kind of just walked straight in uh, and just loaded up. Now, he did some good work. People are making it seem like he had this terrible performance. He looked awful. I'm not going to go that far. He did do some things well. I saw what he was trying to do at different points. Okay, he was pretty clear. He made a couple little adjustments in there, and he was trying to get the knockout and all that, which you want to see. You want to see the aggression. But dude, set it up. You had 36 minutes to work with a guy who is throwing nothing of significance back at you. Nothing. There might have been one or two hard punches landed by Tago in the entire fight. So if you Garcia if he just would have used the jab a little bit and blinded Tago, he probably could have got something done, you know? Um, He maybe could have stopped him. You you just think he probably could have wore him down, broke him down, and stopped him. So these were 12 good rounds for Garcia, who had some ring rust himself. He's been emotionally and mentally up and down, you know, in his career. He looked pretty emotionally controlled in this fight, and this whole promotion, which is good that you like to see that. 12 good rounds because he was having it all his way early on. He needs these kind of rounds. He needs these kind of fights to learn. So him and Goosen, who are now working together, this gives them 12 rounds of video to look at, which is good. So all in all, this was, you know, I'm looking at this as a net. I mean, of course it was a win, but like it was more than just a W. This was a net win for the development of Ryan Garcia. If that makes any sense, all right. And you're only as good as your last performance. I get that. In Garcia's very next fight, they'll get him in there with a guy who's going to stand in front of him a little bit more and get slept. And then everyone will forget all about this Tago fight. That's how these things work. So <clears throat> I give the kid, um, I give him a C plus performance here. It was a maybe a B minus, maybe a B minus. Okay, it's hard to fight a tiny little dude who's just bending over. Uh, at the waist and getting away from your right hand and trying to survive. A jab would help. A jab would help. All right, let's go to Vegas. Let's go to Vegas. PBC on Showtime, TGB Promotions. This was at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. And in the co-main, Tony Harrison, with a unanimous decision win over Sergio Garcia, this is basically a shutout. Great performance by Tony Harrison. And kind of a letdown from Sergio Garcia. Garcia basically has one level. That's it. And stylistically, it worked for him against Sebastian Fondora. But against Tony Harrison, no, he was all wrong for Sergio Garcia. So Garcia, I just think he's not on the level that maybe some people thought he was. I only saw <clears throat> one speed from the guy. And once Harrison had that down, that was it. Harrison can't punch his way through a wet paper bag, but Kayla Mayer might punch harder than him. So you knew after about three rounds, I was like, oh, this is going the distance. And I, you know, changed to some other fights. I turned, I tuned back in about the ninth, tenth round. I was like, yeah, pretty much. He <laughs> just kind of knew. When Tony Harrison is on, he's a very skilled fighter and he has a problem for anybody in that division. I'm not saying he's going to beat the top guys, but he's, he poses a problem. Stylistic problem, good fighter. Can't punch very hard, tends to fade later in fights. It didn't matter in this matchup. So good win for Tony Harrison. And he'll probably be back in the title picture again at some point in the next year or two in that division. But let's talk about this main event. In the main event, Sebastian Fondora with a ninth-round stoppage, uh, retirement stoppage over Erickson Lubin. Apparently Lubin broke his nose and separated his shoulder in this fight I believe he has even more injuries than that. Those are the only two that I heard of that were confirmed. But man, his face, guys, it, it sure looked like it was more than a broken nose. I mean, it, the whole right side of his face was puffed up. He had a hematoma in between his eyes. Uh, the nose, of course, we know the nose was broken. It looked terrible as swelling around the eyes. It wouldn't surprise me if there's uh, an issue with an orbital bone or his jaw. Uh, just a brutal, brutal fight for Erickson Lubin, who was dropped in the second round. He dropped Fundora in the seventh round. Hey, that, <clears throat> that was high drama. That was really exciting. I got to admit, when I saw that, I was like, holy shit. We might be on our way to like an all-time great kind of fight here, you know, but then very, very quickly to his credit, Sebastian Fondora came out in the eighth round and reestablished dominance. And, He makes a lot of mistakes, Fandora does, but he's six foot five fighting at 154. He is a physical freak. And that height is going to pose an issue for everybody, everybody in that division. Because when you have somebody that is that much taller than you, this isn't like a six four guy fighting a six foot one guy. This was six five fighting five foot nine. Okay. Crazy. And the only reason it didn't look as, like, comical as Garcia versus T- Tago, is because Fondura is so skinny, right? He's, he has the appearance of not being strong because he's so skinny. So you see Lubin, who looks like a strong guy. He's a strong, explosive guy. And even though he was so much shorter, you looked at these two guys and you're like, yeah, but they're, they're, they're probably equal in strength or Lubin might even be stronger, right? That's just what your eyes tell you because uh, Fundora is so thin. However, uh, don't judge a book by its cover. Fundora is a strong kid and he was able to push Lubin back a lot and the uppercuts were working for him. He was able to freeze Lubin and keep him right in front of him you could tell Lubin wanted to get off to the side and wanted to get an angle and tried to. But Fendora, if, if Lubin moved to his left, Fendora would shoot like a right uppercut or right hook and stop him. And Just the opposite. If if Lubin moved to his right, then Fandora used his left arm. And he kept him right in front of him and just kept throwing uppercuts. And my man Steve Kim made a great observation on Twitter. He said, What makes Fandora's uppercut so deadly is he doesn't have to crank it up. His hands are right at his opponent's chin already. So he drops it a few inches and boom, boom. It's just, it's right there. That's what makes it so fast. It's not that he has hand speed. It's that his arms only got to travel six inches for him to be at your chin when you're throwing an uppercut because he's a foot taller than you. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like me trying to uppercut my wife. <laughs> Not that I would ever do that. She might uppercut me one of these days if I mouth off too much. But um, in all seriousness, guys, if, if you look at if you look at it, that's a great observation by Steve Kim because uh, Fundor is right there, right? His hands, even if he's got them down here, down here, that's where his opponent's chin is. So he's in position to just boom, 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 just kind of rough you up and maul you and move you where he wants you with those sorts of uh, uppercuts and 45s and hooks and things like that. So his style, while it's not textbook what you'd want or expect from a really tall fighter, it works. Now, will it work if Fandora moves up to 160, 168, 175? I don't think so. I think it works at 154 because he is so much physically just taller and more imposing, over those fighters, but as he moves up in weight, it will cost him. That style will absolutely cost him, right? Guys at 168, even guys like Caleb plant, uh, Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders would absolutely annihilate Fondora. They just, uh, they just chop him to pieces, right? Canelo, Golovkin, forget about it. Just forget. I think Murata would chop him up, honestly, but at 154, he, he can get away with some of his flaws. So if I were on his team, I would do everything we can to ensure he can continue making 154 pounds. Because he has a future if he, can really, if he can keep doing that. Maybe at 160. Maybe at one. But north of 160, it ain't going to look the same. As far as Lubin goes, and for those of you who are just joining the show, um, I said at the top of the show, we were actually planning on having Erickson Lubin on today. Uh, Worked that with his publicist last week. Um, But, you know, he's obviously really, really sore and hurting today. So we're going to postpone that maybe next week or the week after, depending on how he's feeling and how fast his recovery is. But guys, I just don't know if he's ever going to be the same after this. And I think Erickson Lubin is an underrated, underappreciated fighter. I really do. He had that one knockout loss to Charlo, and now everyone says, Oh, he's chinny. He's he's got no chin. Yeah, he's chinny. He folds really he took hellacious punishment in this fight and kept coming. And he almost he had this man hurt. He almost had a moment there where it looked like he was about to turn the fight in that seventh round. So to act like Lubin is this chinny weak guy that just folds over as soon as you put some leather on him guys that's just not true and not fair it's just not fair and he disproved that in this fight all that being said he took a such a beating I just don't know if he's ever going to be the same I don't know if he's going to be the same guy I really truly don't and I want to say something about his trainer Kevin Cunningham who I thought did an outstanding job in the corner gave great advice to Lubin Even though Lubin couldn't carry out all the advice, Cunningham was saying the right things. And then then finally, you know, listen, after the big seventh round, I think that um, Cunningham wanted to give his guy a round or two more to see what he could do. After that, though, he said, listen, this fight's over. He stops the fight. And somebody, now I've heard a rumor that it was a member of Lubin's family, but I don't know that to be true or not. But somebody threw a bunch of ice, like a cup of ice, their drink at, uh, at um, Cunningham after stopping the fight, which I thought was insane. It was ridiculous and just really classless. Whoever did that, I hope they got dealt with. I wish more trainers would be like Kevin Cunningham, Mark Breland, and be willing to stop a fight when it is clear that your man is done and he is taking life-altering punishment. Um, it's the right thing to do. You're not going to be thanked for it. You're going to be criticized for it. It's going to be held against you. You might even lose your job. And maybe Cunningham will. We'll find out. Uh, Breeland did. He got canned by Wilder, even though Breland might have saved Wilder's life. Um, so, It takes balls to make a decision like that and do the right thing when you know it's probably not going to work out so well for you on the business side of things. So props to him. Props to Kevin Cunningham. I just want to put that out there on record. Okay. Who we? That was a hell of a review, guys. So I saw several Super Chats. I want to get to these. Make sure I don't overlook them. Chad with the Super Chat. Thank you, brother. He says, where is our beloved fight doctor today? Ha, <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen him in the chat, but can't say I'm surprised. Can't say I'm surprised. <clears throat> Aaron with the super chat. Thank you so much, Aaron. He says, yo, Mike, that Edo fight was sick. So was the Nakatari scrap. Bredis fight got delayed due to injury for the Australian guy. Also, I called Triple G K09. And they still duck and boo poo Oh, man. Look, that whole card in Japan was fun. I don't know if you guys noticed. There was a lot of blood in that ring, yo. A lot of blood. They matched it up for action. They knew what they were doing, matched it up to be an action-packed card. Um, so that was really, really just entertaining throughout. The whole event was fun as hell. Um, I don't know about the duck and poo-poo thing. We're just going to let that slide, Aaron. We're going to let that slide and Falk with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, and I appreciate it, man. He says, uh, Golden Boy scorecards is like a WBA, WBA belt dog shit. Hey, man, I can't disagree with you there, man. I, listen, you know what? I didn't even talk about that, did I? Well, damn, dude, thank you for reminding me. Guys, I got to go back real quick. Marlon and Esparza gets the win over Naoko Fujioka. Two judges had that shit 10 rounds to zero. That is not the fight that took place. I want to name these judges because they suck and they should never score a fight again. Wilfredo Esperone and Jesse Reyes, both from Texas. Ha <laughs> ha. What a coincidence. Guess who else is from Texas? Marlon Esparza. Ha <laughs> funny how that shit works. 100 to 90. Seriously. That to me was a six rounds to four kind of a fight. Close fight. again, Close, competitive, both women showed heart, all that good stuff. Just wasn't really proving the skill set. Didn't really look that clean and sharp. However, 100 to 90 twice? Oh, my God. Taurine, you're disrespecting dog shit by comparing those scorecards to dog shit. That's not fair to dog shit, my friend. That's disrespectful to dog shit. Dog shit. Much, much better than those scorecards. Super Chat pledge for Chris Singh. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it, man. He says, hey, Mike, uh, real talk. No woman will be a true star till there's a hottie that knocks the other meaner-looking girls out. Till that happens, it's virtue signaling. And then he says, uh, that's his first point. The second point is, Beevil is a real fight. Triple G wins the rubber match via KO. Wow, that'd be something, wouldn't it? Oh my God, the internet would explode. It would just explode to your first point. Listen, women are at a biological disadvantage. And I know I'm going to get into it. It's just going to be so Thomas! Look, look how I'm not even going to try to get into this. I'm not a biologist, but I'm also not stupid. Women are at a bi- biological disadvantage in boxing, particularly all most martial arts, but especially boxing where upper body strength and explosiveness is paramount. If you're trying to get knockouts. Um, so it's going to be difficult for a woman to generate the kind of power necessary to knock a lot of girls out. So it's 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 difficult, and, and I recognize that. For the record, I'm listen. There are several women's fighters that I highly respect, like truly on a pound for pound level, and I enjoy watching them fight. Several of them, um, it's it, some of them are really good looking, and that helps. <laughs> that helps, but. Uh, There are several women fighters out there that I really do consider truly elite level boxers, regardless of gender. And I'm being very honest with that. It's not virtue signaling. You guys know I don't do that virtue signaling bullshit. But if we're being honest, okay, the talent level, the skill level, and yes, the excitement level of men's boxing is on a different stratosphere. That's not being sexist. That's just telling the truth. Anybody who says otherwise, they are virtue signaling. They are lying. However, women's boxing is always probably going to look different than men's boxing because of some of the biological differences and things like that and the dynamic that 99% of the fans are male, so attraction of the fighters. Men don't give a flying fuck if it's a good-looking guy or an ugly guy. We don't care about that shit. Maybe some of you do, but most of us don't. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we do care, at least if you're being honest, you care a little bit about how the ladies look, right? So there is that dynamic. There's just, there's, it's always going to be a little different, but I do think that women's boxing is the fastest growing market in this sport, both in the amateurs and in the pros and smart promoters, smart network executives, smart managers, smart trainers are tapping into that. There's a real future with this. And guys, some of you are um, dead set against women's boxing. You're like, oh, I'll never like to. Listen, man, it's coming whether you like it or not. And some of these women really can fight. So show respect where it's due. Um, I understand if you're not as entertained, though, because knockouts matter. It's not even always getting the knockout. It's the thought that a knockout could happen that heightens the tension of a fight. Correct? Um, So with women, you're just not getting that. And that's why a lot of you guys tune in to watch. So I understand it's a complicated issue, but I just want, I, I want respect shown. I want full respect shown. I've been in the gym with a lot of these female fighters. They work their ass off seriously. And they're, they're, they're tough as nails. They get in there, they spar hard. They always, they give as good as they can get. And they deserve respect, okay? At the same time, let's talk about it honestly. Let's have an open, honest conversation about this. There are things that still need work, right? So that's what we do here on this show. To your second point, Chris, I agree with you. Beevil is a real fight for Canelo. I'm not sure Golovkin wins that rubber match, especially by KO. However, I'm not going to sit here and say it's out of the realm of, of possibility. There are some people out there that think it's impossible I wouldn't say that. It's certainly possible. Chris with another super chat. Thanks again, Chris. He says, I'm not a biologist. Laugh my fucking ass off. Nicely played. I hope all is well. (laughs) Hey, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, uh, we can't define what a woman is or a man is is anymore. At some point, there's going to be some activist that says we can't put women's or men's in front of our titles in boxing. I mean, there's all kinds of insanity coming. Guys, it's just... Insane. Oh, Jacob Roberts with a great comment here. He says, Savannah Marshall punches like a man. I'm not going to go that far, but if she might be the hardest puncher in women's boxing. And um, she does have the leverage and torque uh, that you see men punch with. So um, she hasn't fought an elite level fighter yet. If she can do what she's done so far against someone like Clarissa Shields, I'll be fully on board. Okay, but um, she definitely is an entertaining female fighter because you know you might get a knockout. Let's throw Alicia Bumgardner's name in there too. And Alicia Bumgardner is really good looking. Now, not trying to be creepy, I'm just saying she's a very good looking woman. And her last fight, she knocked uh, Terry Harper out. So uh, there's there's an entertainment factor there too. All right, so there's a few women out there who can crack a little bit. Sure can. <clears throat> okay. Uh, you know what? I still got to do a preview. Oh, I saw a comment there. Let's see. Uh, Gail with a comment here. I want to hear from Gail on this. Gail says, Mike, the real reason the KO rate is lower is due to two-minute rounds. If you adjust for KOs before the at-minute mark, uh, George Foreman and, and Triple G would have similar KO rate as Serrano or Sunicia Strada. I don't know if I agree with you 100%, Gail, but I do agree with you at least partially. I do think the two-minute rounds do um, do make it harder to, to knock out an opponent. If you just look at the amateurs, um, you don't see a lot of knockouts in the amateurs. With the men, because of the two-minute rounds, you don't see a lot of knockouts. You see some, uh, and you know that it's still possible, but you're right. Three-minute rounds would create more possibility for knockouts. Um, but For me, uh, I do think that change needs to happen. I just also think we need more and more talent. And there's more talent coming. If you look at the female amateurs coming up now in the American amateur system, these girls coming up, they're going to make the girls fighting right now look really slow and really uh, unskilled. These girls coming up over the next 10, five to 10 years, it's going to be night and day. It's going to be like just a whole different generation. You watch you watch. I see some of these girls in these tournaments. and I'm like, damn, when that girl goes pro, she's going to, she's going to win a title within five or six fights. You could just tell. Uh, Okay. Preview time. Uh, My voice is holding up. Uh, The pollen is getting better. Uh, I wonder if Chris Bergen's drunk yet. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This Saturday, April 16th, we got two cards of note. Let's talk about this real quick. Over in Manchester, England, matchroom boxing on the zone. Uh, The before mentioned Alicia Bumgarner defending her WBC women's 130-pound title going up against Argentinian Edith Soledad Matisse. Um, That obviously Bumgarner will be heavily favored in that fight. Matisse has lost several fights, but I don't know if she's been stopped. I'm not sure if she has. So if Baumgartner can do that, hey, she's going to have two in a row. In the main events, Conor Ben twenty and zero going up against Chris Van Heerden, twelve rounds, one hundred and forty seven pounds. This is a pretty good uh, fight for Conor Ben, who continues to kind of build uh, against these this level of opponent that's experienced, been in there with some top guys, but is there to make Ben look good. Give them rounds, give them a little bit to think about, but make them look good. And that's what this matchup is. And then coming across the pond to the United States, right back to Texas. Texas is having a busy year. Texas is having a good year so far in the sport. Got to improve some of them scorecards, guys. But they're uh, having a lot of action down there. TGB Promotions returns to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, which is right in the middle of Dallas and Fort Worth. This is Showtime on pay-per-view. In the main event, Errol Spence Jr. Uh, bringing his WBC and IBF welterweight titles against Jordanus Ugas, who has the WBA belt. This is a three-belt unification. In the co-main, Radza Butiev, 14-0, Russian-born, Southern California-based welterweight, going up against uh, Ilamantas Stanionis, 13-0 out of Lithuania, 12 rounds. Of course, this is 147 as well. And this is really smart by PBC because you know what they're going to do, folks? A lot of you out there are thinking, oh, man, if Spence wins and they put Terrence Crawford in there against Keith Thurman, maybe we finally get the Crawford-Spence fight. No, we're not. Stop. We're going to get Spence versus the winner of Boutiev down the onus, okay? That's what we're going to get next. So I don't hate that fight. But, by the way, Buteyev's down the onus is probably going to steal the show. That's probably going to be the best fight of the night. That's a really good uh, interesting matchup between two guys um, that are definitely going to bring the heat. So I think that'll be fun. Also on the undercard, uh, some familiar names like Jose Cito Lopez, uh, Brandon Lee, friend to the show, Brandon Lee, Vito Milianchi on the undercard, and Isaac Cruz going up against Yoriokas Gamboa, who has been passed around more than Jada Pinkett. Um, Man, Gamboa has been banged more times than a screen door, and he's going up against Isaac Cruz. They're going to try to get Isaac Cruz a good dominant win to make Javante Davis's win over him look like it was some elite-level feat. All right, let's talk about the main event. Spence, a lot is being made about Spence um, in the car accident, okay? And uh, there's a lot of people out there, again, some of the same brave souls that were picking Murata to be Golovkin. Some of those same people that were thinking Tag- Tago was going to upset Ryan Garcia, some of those same guys are picking Ugas to beat Spence. I just don't see it, guys. I just don't see it. Listen, Spence has one fight since 2019, one fight in the last two and a half years, and that was against Danny Garcia in December of 2020. Beating Danny Garcia at welterweight does not prepare for you, Dennis Ugas, I get it. Uh, Ugas would certainly be Danny Garcia, but the levels are not that far from each other. They're not that far from each other. Ugas coming off that win last August against Manny Pacquiao. And to be clear, PBC's plan when they signed Pacquiao was to build Errol Spence's name off of his. Ugas fucked that up. He fucked up their plan. Keith Thurman fucked up by losing to Pacquiao because Thurman and Spence would have been big, right? So Thurman screwed up. And then Uga screwed up the plan further by uh, beating Pacquiao. So the plans kind of got screwed up. And that's what happens when you continue to marinate, to marinate, to marinate. Your plans are going to get screwed up. Spence screwed up the plan by getting in a car accident, right? By getting blackout drunk and flying down the road at 90 miles an hour and plowing into a median. Uh, So everyone over there has kind of screwed the plan up. That's what happens when you marinate. But here we are, Spence is fighting Ugas, and guys, all of you picking Ugas, here is my question. Have you not paid attention to PBC's business plan at 147 pounds over the last four or five years? Is it not very, very clear who they have selected to be their guy in and around that weight? It's pretty obvious, right? they have not signed a single fight for Errol Spence where they were not 100% confident he was going to win. So unless Spence has suddenly uh, you know, lost 50% of what he had before the car accident, which he hasn't, he's going to win this fight. And I think he's actually going to win pretty clearly. I'm expecting a 116-112 type of win for Errol Spence. They would not have signed this fight if they thought Jordano Ugas was a serious threat to their business plan, he's not. I like Dennis Ugas as a human being. He seems like an awesome person, and as a fighter, he's a good fighter. He's a legitimate top ten, maybe even top five welterweight. Yeah, probably top five. Okay, close fight with Sean Porter. Some people thought he won. Some people thought Porter edged it. <clears throat> I can see it both ways, but he is not on the level of Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence. He's just not. The, the the elite of the welterweight division is Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. Those are the two elite fighters. Everybody else falls below that, including a very faded Manny Pacquiao who just got beat by Ugas, right? So trust me, Spence will win this fight. Now look, if Ugas shocks the world and everything, I will eat my crow here. It won't be the first time I was wrong. But just looking at the way business is done over there, particularly in this division for the last five years, I gotta go with Ugas here. That is my official prediction. Okay. Let's make sure I didn't miss any super chats. So then we'll get to some phone calls. Now we have about 14 calls on the line. We have a bunch of people on the line. So guys, uh, again, probably not gonna get to all these calls. You're gonna have to make it quick. You're going to have to just plow through it, all right? Go ahead and be rude and just cut me off and talk. Chris Bergen went to Super Chat. Chris, are you drunk yet? Are you drunk? I, I have said pollen like 10 times. So you should be drunk if you're a man of your word. <laughs> Thank you for the Super Chat, Chris. He says, uh, what are your thoughts on Dillian White's silence in no-shows? Interesting question. And by the way, happy birthday, Dillian White. I believe today is his birthday. So happy birthday to him. You know, um, I, I I get it. I get it, Chris. Um, Dillian's silence. Listen, it's unprofessional, and he's getting paid way more money than he's worth—career um, high payday, right? All that good stuff. But he's doing this to fuck with Tyson Fury's head. I don't. He's saying he's doing it for all these other reasons. I don't believe any of that. I think this is his way of dealing with Tyson Fury and Fury's mind games and all that stuff. He's basically just not showing up so that Fury can't say anything and play the mind games he plays. And he's putting the entire promotion and all the pressure of promoting the time and and investment that you make promoting a show. He's putting that all on Tyson Fury's shoulders. Now, to be clear about something, if this was any other sport, if this was basketball, baseball, American football, global football, and a player was a player of a team was pulling this stunt, they'd be fined. They'd be suspended. They wouldn't be allowed to play, right? But this is boxing. And Dillian White's going to get away with this shit. There's no way that this fight's not happening. He knows this. If anything, he might face, uh, the sanctioning organization might have something to say to him after all this. But for the most part, he's going to get away with pulling this shit, pulling these stunts. So uh, to me, this is just a ploy by him, to kind of mess with Tyson Fury a little bit. Will it work? We'll find out. But that's what I think he's doing. <clears throat> okay. Let's jump to some calls, and you guys got to keep it quick. All right? Let's go to uh, 210. I think this is Anthony in San Antonio. What's up, man? How you doing?
1: Hey, what's going on, Mike? No, I'm just coming off that Ryan Garfield, just by Good crowd. I was surprised. I, I'm sorry for sending you all those pictures. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a, it was crazy. I saw young people. I saw, I, I saw a lot of country folks with huh. Garcia t-shirts. I saw Barbie dolls. I saw your typical Mexican crowd. I even saw the Mexican dog. It was a weird, I was, I was surprised and I was impressed. Um, you know, when Oscar shows up, he's still a rock star down here. He, you know they can do a lot of damage here and it's funny you were talking about female things because I'm going to say what you, you, you're you trying to step in but I know people are quick to attack anybody right you say sex sells I'm sorry that's just mm. how it is you know which, what do you think launched the UFC female career uh, the female uh, as far as the momentum yep. the females, it was Anna you know she was hot <laughs> so yeah. I'm sorry that's just what it is and you know, uh, that, that, that's just like like the the blonde bomber. I forgot what her name is. She's Eddie Ebony fighter. Only- Ebony Bridges. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, that's just what it is. That's the world we live in. That's why I live in the sixth largest city in the world. There's 25 probably female strip clubs. There's only one male strip club. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's when how it works, baby. Stands, what do you see? Yeah. yeah. What do you see when you go to the magazine stand? with guys, with guys, with male uh, magazines, it's all females. What do you see in female magazines? It's all females. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I'm sorry, it's just what it is. That's why we have ring card girls. That's why we have promotional girls in boxing. You know, you have, it just goes along with the with the adrenaline, the alcohol, and the violence, and sex. It's it just, there's it a correlation. So, with that said, I'm really disappointed with Marlon. I just, I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to bash her, but and I'm sorry. She's a slap hitter. She's sloppy. Yeah. That fight. It's the second time people were just kind of pulling their thumbs, and people were buzzing. So when she won, and they hear huge they there of course you're going to cheer. But I'm sorry, she's not. She's not that good. She slaps a lot. She. They were smothering each other. The Japanese fighter was jumping while she was punching, and it was just. It was just ugly. I went. In, I went to the long ass gear line to get get my rounds uh, during that fight, and. I compared that to the Michaela Mir fight in the top rank, and at least she turns her punches over, supports yes. her hip. You know what I mean? And yeah. punches at the right distance where it's not, it's not being smothered by the palm. You know, so that, that's the thing with Marlon. I mean, they had, you know, I sent you a tweet because you were talking about the, 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 the attraction thing earlier, right now with Julian um, Rabina. I don't, I don't know who she I, think, I don't know if she's Golden Boy affiliated, but she was at the last two events here down here. And she's smoking. Man, she's bad. And I told her that. I saw her face right I'm like, hey, respectfully, you are a, you, you are, you're, you're very attractive. You're very good looking. And I told her, San Antonio is the number two city behind LA as far as Mexican-American population.
2: Hmm. You know, they
1: only have the Spurs to compete with. There's no football team. There's no baseball team. I'm like, so I go, you should be on these cards. Why aren't you on these cards? Kind of the same way when I ran into Joshua Franco. Like, hey, man on this card and so i'm trying to get it all in and the undercard were really and that with that you know i want to go into the undercard where it frustrated me because i'm like where were the mexican American? i mean you got to cater to the demographic there you know there was shane mosley versus lizato they made me look back and i thought everybody that was going to be the best fight and everybody was me out when it was happening and it was kind of a stinker but you know they before that was um of course, the female fight that that was people weren't really happy with that. The, the, the initial fight was pretty good, but you know, it was a, it was a quick knockout between the Dominican and uh, I, I believe in Armenian, and people were and that was fun, but it's just like, oh man, I thought they would loaded it up with the fiesta theme, you know, kind of like think of the mile thing, yeah. Over here, um, I mean, it, it was an okay car, Ryan Garcia. I, I and with the matchmaking, I don't know what they were thinking. You, you, when you get a Ganan, you're not going to get a knockout. Sorry. He's going you know, to he's gonna survive. He's going to last. Those guys are tough. You know, they they should be. You know, those guys, when have you ever seen those guys? They're reminding me of Badi versus Pacquiao when they had that big fight.
0: You know, oh, yeah. Him, yeah, Lottie, absolutely, man. That's what it looked like.
1: You never see don't get knocked. those guys are rocks, man. If you want something that's going to create a highlight reel and, and put a cherry on top, they should have went with somebody else I'm sorry you know they should have went you know with a British guy or something I mean no no, no, no nothing against the British <laughs> I mean I'll go for that Puerto Rican Mexican rivalry where somebody can get out there because you up, know, right um, and with the, yeah the last thing I want to say is with the Honduras fight you know it, it was a gutsy fight it did remind me of a lot of the GH3 um, remember that fighter uh, Antoine Douglas when he got beat by uh, yeah. the Mini Tyson
0: yeah I remember oh, Douglas.
1: And he really never, yeah, he never came back. That was his, that was the last significant fight. I think he, he just stopped boxing since then. So I hope that doesn't have to loom, but that was what it was gearing for. Mm. And so I'm glad the trainer pushed the plug at that time, you know, because it could have it could have gone that way, which it still might. Cause that was pretty brutal, and it's amazing that this guy has power with that kind of body structure. Yeah, you know what I mean. He has such. He has stud. He has stud it, 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 it's crazy, you know. But um. That's all I wanted to say, man. It was was a good event. Uh, I mean, I I was impressed, and I did see out that the way they they, they needed to keep doing it down here because they had the biggest parade in in Texas going on less than a mile away. At the exact same time, the Spurs were taking on the Golden State Warriors uh, a mile and a half the other direction, and there was no parking in in the whole building, and they still pulled the crowd. So I was impressed. Let's see what
0: happens next week with uh, you know, Spencer News. I think Spence get it. Me too, man. All right, man. Good stuff, brother. Thanks for the yeah. report. Yeah, all, I all right, bro. Yeah. <laughs> all
1: right, Mike. All right, peace. Thank
0: you, thank you. Yeah, and no, I saw in the chat Michael Mendiolo corrected me. Did I say I, I got Ugas by decision? Obviously, guys, I meant to say Spence by decision. <laughs> if uh if I switch the names, I'm sorry, man. Uh, but thanks for correcting me on that. All right, let's go right back into these calls. Uh, we're gonna go up to the Bronx, six four six. You're on the show. What's up? Hey,
1: what's, happening? what's up, man? How you doing? Level boxing,
2: baby. How you doing? Good. How are good. you? Uh, good, 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 man. Listen, first things first. Are you familiar with the benefits of raw local honey?
0: Uh, I've heard that. I've heard what? If you eat, it has to be local to this area, right? Because that's directly related to the pollen, right?
1: Exactly. Okay. And it's 1,000% correct. But it has to be raw. It has to be local. And the raw and the more local it is, uh, within your tri-state area, and you'll see that it'll uh, directly counteract the instruments causing your malady. Anyway, so, um, uh, Gail Falkenthal was absolutely correct. I think that a lot has been made about the woman's lack of power or whatever uh but i think more has to do more with the third minute of the round missing
2: because not only does his power uh, a catalyst for knockouts but so is exhaustion right so if you're fighting less minutes per
1: round they're getting less exhausted and causing a lot less knockouts i mean that's my my opinion um the other thing is that you were absolutely right.
3: This uh, Sparza fight was not an advertisement for women's
0: <laughs> boxing. Yeah, man. Was, that was rough, brother. That was rough, man. It
3: was
1: horrible, man. It reminded me of my son's uh, 10-year-old boxing class.
0: You know? <laughs> that, that's really ring. what it looked like, dude. It did not look like a professional yeah. prize fight, man. It just didn't.
1: Yeah, but listen, do me a favor, please stop apologizing for calling you out. it is. You know? I think that the world, one of the things that's wrong with the world is that we're all trying to be politically correct, and then there are those that take advantage of of our uh, 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 um, propensity for trying to be good, mm. and then step all over it. You understand? Yeah, that's so you a good people point. People have to start really just calling it how it is, regardless of, of, of oh, oh, you're being mean or you're being, no, no. Because if you start, the, the minute you start giving an inch, yeah. they're going to take a yard, they're going to take a mile, be, and then we're going to be right where we are today, man.
0: That's okay. a great point, bro. Stop
1: apologizing.
0: You're right, man. Today, you know what? And so... Great point. Great point. You're right.
1: You know? Yeah. So um, uh, what was the other thing? Uh, okay. So my... Uh, going to pick with a lot of these shows is that they don't talk about the undercard. They talk about whoever the headlines is, and then like the undercard, but uh, it's never mentioned. But one of the I believe, but one of the most important fights that took place over the weekend, and of course I'm a top ranked chill, okay? <laughs> but uh, I'm a top top ranked ologist, the five praise of the top five. But the um this guy Bernal, Luis Alberto Lopez.
2: I don't know if you know, the guy that that beat up Gabriel Flores, right? Are you familiar with what I'm talking about?
0: Yes. I beat Isaac Lowe, Gabe Flores, Yes. yes.
1: Exactly. That dude, you didn't see him this weekend, did you? No. Dude, get on the ESPN Plus after he was the first fight, eight rounds. He looks totally different.
0: Well, I I know know he lost to Ruben Villa, and he's improved a lot since that loss. That loss was good for him.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. And and the thing is, he's he's worked on his footwork, his elusiveness. Don't get me wrong. He was in there with somebody he was supposed to beat. But the way he beat that guy was ridiculous. Ridiculous. He beat him with footwork. He was delivering body shots. That the guy, he said, first round hits to the right
2: with. Uh, uh, he was going to the uh, the right flank, body shot, boom, boom, and it looked like nothing. Boom, but he was delivering it so effortless that even Timothy Bradley said, "Oh, I don't know why he's playing with his food. He should just, And he was like criticizing him the whole fight,
1: and then around right before it that you see what the hell he was doing throughout the fight. Mm. He was setting shit up like ridiculous, and he's playing with the guy's food. He didn't get touched. It was beautiful. And the thing that's important about that fight is that it, he's number one at the IBF at uh, 130 pounds. It's fisherman line. Warrington, and that guy, uh, um, what's his name? Mauricio Lara is number three. And the number two slot is vacant, right? And then there's Warrington, who's the champ. I'm thinking that what's going to happen is that because Warrington has a broken jaw, they're probably going to call for an eliminator between Lara and Lopez mm. to see what happens. I don't know if they're going to do the fight or not. But whichever way it goes, this Warrington is going to get his ass kicked. Because the IBS does not play when it comes to their mandatory positions. That's true. This is why I have a lot of great respect for them. Uh, a lot of people, the most prestigious belt is the WBC. I don't understand why. They don't do anything that would would uh, um uh warrant them being that prestigious. They just come up with stuff like the franchise belt. They don't they look how long Billy White had to wait to get his shot. You know they don't. So there's nothing prestigious about. It, you know, it, it, for me, what 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 would lend itself to build prestige is not something that the WBC has in abundance. You see, the IBF, although they have a checkered pad, Turning around in that regard. You know, so that that's something to watch out now. Please make sure you see that guy, fight um and uh oh, there was one more thing I, I forgot what it is. I know you have a lot of phone calls.
0: You got 30 uh, seconds. Hit you it. <laughs>
1: you got 30 no, no, seconds. No, that's it,
0: brother. I'm gone, brother. Oh, you good? Okay. That's okay.
1: It. I'm gone. Do the do the, do the local honey though. And let me know about if it works, right?
0: Cool. Please. Great I'm call, not- man. Great call. And and he's right, guys. Uh, right. Look, man, look, I have stopped apologizing on Twitter. There, There is, you know, some idiot this morning. Oh, Montero's this, I, and I, And I, I literally just told him to fuck off. You know, I told him how wrong he is. And then I told him to fuck off. And I just muted him. Um, it, some days I mute. Some days I block. Like Monday, Wednesday, Friday are mute days. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are block days. It just depends how I'm feeling that day. But I, um, I, I get rid of a lot of these guys. I just... I've done apologizing, but here on this show, there's a lot of industry people that listen. And I know that a lot of people uh, that are involved with these fighters and train these fighters listen. And I just wanna make it very, very clear. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to shit on anybody or anything. I'm just trying to tell the truth the way I see it. Because if we tell the truth and we hear the truth, even when it hurts, even when it's critical, that is how we grow. That's how we grow and get better. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, all right. Back to the phones. We gotta get this get this going here. I think this is that. I'm not sure. Uh, what's up? Three one seven. You're on the show.
1: Uh, it's Jack Alter. Oh, it's Jack.
0: Actually. What's up? What's up, Jack? How you doing, man?
1: What's up, man? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm gonna try to make this quick because, dude. Let me just say, you've done a great job just throughout the episode, uh, going throughout the preview. Uh, I mean not the preview the, the recap the preview you've done a great job man thank Two you perfect episode so far now I'm here to thank ruin you. it and make it <laughs> horrible <laughs> i just, I'm just um, well one thing I wanted to say real quick is uh, this is how I want to talk about the fights over the weekend but people were talking were like giving me shit because I said Crawford would beat Tito Trinidad prime for prime I said tell Brooke too but ignore that for a second
0: Listen, Dude. Crawford would have a chance to no. beat Trinidad. Now, look, I agree with you on that. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's over, he's overrated. But no, Nacho was on here talking about that. That that gets that gets rid of all your credibility. And I was like, nah, bro, Felix Trinidad's top five most overrated fighters of all time. He clearly lost to uh, De La Hoya. He clearly lost. Well, obviously lost to Bernard Hopkins. But I don't want to talk about that. Man, my boy, Triple G came through but one thing that completely ruined the fight for me was the DAZN commentary what did you mm. think about the commentary this weekend
0: yeah I don't I don't want to I don't want to say anything <laughs> uh it was it was I'm just gonna say it was okay I'll just leave it at that
1: <laughs> it it seems to me that if you if you fight on if you are judging a Golovkin fight, the, the curve is that if anyone lands a single punch on Golovkin, it's oh my god, Golovkin's getting hit. Same thing in the Canelo fight, the second Canelo fight, oh my god, Canelo's coming forward. He's getting his ass kicked and getting his jab face, getting his fucking face jabbed off. But dude, he's coming forward, getting his ass kicked. So therefore Triple G's losing. It's like the everyone they, they all judge these Golovkin fights on a curve. That they all do that.
0: Well, I, I think it's like I said, I don't remember what video, but there was a recent video where I said everybody needs to be a fucking goldfish when they score fights, but they don't. They bring in their preconceived notions, their memories, you know, and that's what messes things up. You, you got to go into each fight as a goldfish and not have no memory. That's just how it works.
1: <clears throat> yeah, but there were some moments in the Murata fight where um, someone was saying to me, um, online, like, Golovkin got hurt by Murata. There was a body shot he pointed out to. I found another angle and it was actually blocked. So, not one point in this fight was Golovkin hurt. And I, if you thought he was hurt, if you actually look back at like one of the other angles, Golovkin was never once hurt in this fight. Uh, Murata had some success, but still at 40. Golovkin's never really been. Extremely hurt. Derevchenko landed a really good body shot, and Golovkin started jabbing him to keep him off. And some people say, "Oh my God, he got hurt bad." He was he was a little he was a little buzz, but not too bad. But um, Golovkin showed like flashes of greatness in there. He was throwing just perfect combinations. Just like he threw uh, a right uppercut that landed, uh, left hook to the body that landed, left uppercut, left uppercut, both landed. Right hook that landed. Came back to jab. Dude, he looks perfect. I think. After the sixth round, that was vintage Golovkin. Mm-hmm. And, dude, anyone saying – I see so many people saying Canelo uh, – I mean, it's jack-picking Golovkin to KO Canelo and Viterbiev. Nah, man, but uh, no, Golovkin has a good chance of beating Canelo. I'll tell you that right now. If we're talking about not on the scorecards, like if we're talking about just the general fight because he's already beat him twice, yeah, he has a good chance.
0: Yeah, I, people are saying Canelo smokes Golovkin and knocks him out in three rounds. I think that's crazy. I mean, I don't. Based on the twenty-four rounds they had together, I just don't see where people get that. Now, anything's possible in boxing. Anything's possible, but to me, I think it's going to be a competitive fight. I think it's going to be. Those guys are just always going to make for good fights. Always.
1: Well, last week I was surprised because you were saying, "Yeah, someone in the chat is calling me out for something I said last week." But um, the Fandora Lubin fight. But, dude, last week you were saying how that you thought Canelo would stop him or he could stop him. I'm like, dude, are you out of your fucking mind?
0: Well, Canelo could stop Golovkin? It's possible. It's certainly possible. So,
1: yeah, you, you say it like, it, like, it's, like it's very likely, like it's 50 I never said, said it was very
0: life. likely. I never said it was 50-50. I said it's possible. It, it, we have, I haven't done a full breakdown on that fight yet, but anything's possible in boxing. And we've seen guys get old overnight. Um, it's also at 168. Maybe, maybe glove can will look stronger at 168. Maybe not. So, so, you know, there's so much different intangibles. All I'm saying is if if you put a gun in my head and you ask me what I expect, I expect another close, competitive, high-level, entertaining fight that's probably going to distance. Um, and you know, you gotta you gotta bet on Canelo to win, especially because it's probably gonna be in Vegas, but it's not going to be this complete domination by Canelo. I just don't believe that.
1: Yeah, by Dr. Alvarez stops Bumlovkin. The triple duck is well past his spell uh, by day. Okay, so somebody in the uh, chat mentioned, and I have to talk to you about it, because last week I was saying to you, <laughs> do you remember what I said about Lubin Vandora?
0: No, man, I can't remember. Uh, my brain is said, shot. Man, what did you say? What, what was Vendora your pick?
1: I said, Pandora has no skills and Lumen's going to murder him.
0: <laughs> oh shit.
1: So <laughs> I said, and I, t- I told you, Hey guys, I'm putting like as much money possible down as I can, but you want to know the great thing about the fight this weekend. I bet on a ninth round knockout, with triple G. So I won like $50 on that. So I won all my money back. I won all my money back that I lost on this fight Cause there I you bet go. on a ninth round. Knockout. I know. I know. It's great. It's great. Number hurry this up. Cause, dude, you, You've just been perfect today. All the calls are great, and uh, I want to hear if Sad's going to come on. Let's let's hear what he says. But um, yeah, man, Triple G. I still think I know he's forty, but dude, he still looks great. He still looks like a really good fighter. And I know you like to say, uh, "I told you guys so," but dude, I think he surprised you a little bit. I do.
0: Uh, well, who? Murata. Murata didn't surprise me. No, Triple D um
1: triple g i, I know you'll, you'll say he didn't because you're like i, I told you guys you we're doing late stoppage you were really going on a hard-fought decision That's yeah you, you know what if if, tough, any, if
0: anybody tough. surprised me you're right if anybody surprised me saturday night it wasn't mirada it was golovkin he closed the show once he once he got going and he steamrolled mirada and i thought that perhaps um you know it would go with decision i i thought a late stoppage was possible but um yeah, yeah, he, he was impressive, dude. It was an impressive win. But I got to get to these other calls, man. I, I'm with you, Jack. I think it was an impressive performance by Golovkin, and I think he's going to be competitive with Canelo. Yep,
1: that's just what I was about to say, man. You have a good night, and uh, hell yeah, man. Take it easy.
0: All right, you too, brother. Uh, right, real quick, super chat from Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, uh, Thad said, no way Triple G stops Murata. He was wrong. Yeah, but I can understand why Thad... Felt that way you know and and again i was leaning toward uh a decision i thought possible late rounds ko and by the way when i said late rounds you know i'm thinking 10 11 12 i was almost there with nine but um it it was an impressive performance and of course people are going to find a way to shit on it but that's boxing fans all right back to the phones um i'm going to try to get to as many of these as i can guys uh 213 on the show what's up
1: Hey Mike, uh, I had a quick question for you. Why doesn't Estrada fight in the regular division since you guys like talking about women's boxing so much?
0: Estrada? Super Senecia bad. Estrada? Yep. They'll
2: fight in the regular division.
0: What do you mean? Like in the men's division? Yep. <laughs> well, because I think you because you know, I'm not a biologist. But I think you know why she no, doesn't no, no, fight not men. Not saying
1: that, not 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 biology wise. Don't you think she's out of all the women out there right now? She deserves a shot at it.
0: Fighting men, I'm I'm not ready to take that leap, dude. I'm not ready to take that leap. Biology matters. Sania is a tiny little girl. She's like five foot two. I've met her. and I think her father. She's she's a tiny. In little, her
1: in the same weight division. At the men's level, because if the rumors are right, she's made guys already cry in the gym and leave boxing.
0: You know what I mean? I I, I feel you. Look, Clarissa Shield says the same thing. It, it's different when you're sparring guys in the gym, and then you get in the I ring. I don't
1: know about Clarissa Shield. I'm only doing this because at this weight division that we're talking about, it's pretty even, and with her. She has the skill. And she'll make more money doing this than fighting any woman out there right now.
0: You're right about that, as far as the money factor. So you're talking you're talking about her at straw weight at 105. Right? Oh yeah. At her natural fighting weight, because she's already had to jump up two divisions to fight people. Right. So well here, okay. So here's the thing. Listen, I'm I'm open to your idea. I am, okay. Okay. Um, how, however, I want to see her clear out the division, unify all the belts, solidify her position as, <clears throat> you know, the dominant force in that division here. Here's one issue though. I'm looking here at the ring ratings for 105 pounds, the men pretty much what I think eight of the 10 fighters are from, um, Thailand. Uh, Thailand right there's a couple of no, no, Japanese not talking
1: guys about her jumping straight into fighting the champions instantly I'm talking take her up as a men's prospect and fight her right now because what she's going to do make less money fighting women to try to unify that belt when she's technically already beat the person who just got the ring
0: belt yeah and I hear you but up. listen he, if if we do this experiment, okay, and you're right, Estrada right. has the skills, it, yeah. and a 105-pound man is nowhere near as strong as a 160-pound man. I understand where you're going with this. I get it, okay? Yeah. But if she gets in there, biology still matters, and a hundred and five-pound man, no, no, i twice I'm as strong saying, as a hundred and five pound sure woman.
1: She can be, no, no, I'm not sure if she can beat knockout. I'm not sure about that. I'm not saying that. But I'm pretty sure she can beat up men in that division for sure. And work her way to earn a shot at knockout
0: if she can do it. Maybe. Maybe. I it's I I would bet I would maker. bet that if she it's fought moneymaker Is it but but is it really a moneymaker, dude? When listen, the number one guy is is knockout C P freshmart. The number two guy is Pichamani C P freshmart. The third guy is Wan Hang Menelothian. The third guy is Masataka Taniguchi. You, you see what I'm saying here? Are all those are those going to be big money fights? She's going to go over to Thailand? She's not going to get a ton of money for those no, fights? No, no,
1: no. There's also, no, no. She can start with regular Mexican fighters that are fighting at that point.
0: So they'll find a Mexican guy like that's ranked 54 in the world, and you think that's going to be a big money yeah, fight just because it's a guy?
1: There, are, there, are be, there will be top 10 in each sanctioning body. Go after one of them. Mexican just to test her to see if she can do
0: it i to me now, dude, i'm
1: to see her to the sharks and go to the deep end right now <laughs> to, to, to me i want to see if she can do it
0: you want to see if she can okay okay I, listen i hear you but to me that's a gimmicky circusy kind of thing that would be like a jake paul kind of fight on triller you know where there's like rappers but and me, shit
1: but, no no she's gonna be working her way up to maybe get a shot
0: at the belt you know it, it's not just but dude I'm even if she fought guy. i'm not I, I, I listen again i i hear what you're saying i hear your point my point is i don't money, think there's more the money for her i don't think there's more money for her fighting one of those guys because there's no names there if i were estrada she That's honestly it. dude estrada can be a bigger name in women's boxing than any of the guys in that division are in men's boxing. Because she's a very articulate, very attractive woman. If she starts beating the shit out of all the girls at 105, she could be a star. She could be a bigger star than all the Fresh Marts combined. (laughs) She doesn't have to fight dudes.
2: I know, but she's already
1: beat Esparza.
0: Yeah, yeah. Esparza, you know, listen, I I feel like we're all beating up on Esparza, but she's not very good. (laughs) She's just not very good. I never
1: said she was, but I mean what she i mean she's beat up two weights up at her natural weight, not many people want to fight her, really yeah, and it just makes more sense Give her a shot, she deserves it
0: i I just don't know bro i out of all the women that's a dangerous i know I know the risk versus reward isn't there. it's not there now listen. If, if you felt this confident about a fighter, let's, let's, and then I got to let you go in a minute here. Okay. But this is an interesting call. This is an okay. interesting call. But if, okay. if there is a fighter in a division, let's say, let's take Clarissa Shields, for example, if, if somebody out there, if people really felt confident that she could beat Germal Charlo, that would actually no, be a big no. money fight. At, now, of course she gets way, destroyed. Impossible. Right.
1: No, no. When you move up to that weight, the the, the physical advantages get in It's just at, at what they can cut and weight. No, it's not possible. I, I don't see it. At 105, I see it.
0: Yeah, you're right. At 105, it's it certainly more possible. Way. If there was a name, dude, if there is a, regardless of his nationality, if there was a really popular fighter at 105 pounds who is a guy, some little five foot one guy who. who was really popular that she could fight against, I might be with you. But it's not there. There, There's no point to doing it.
1: Well, okay. The other, one last question to let (laughs) me go. Real Uh,
0: quick. Was
1: Garcia supposed to be fighting at Chachew?
0: Yeah, they were marketing that as a lightweight fight, but they were both like 140 or some shit. Yeah, that was kind of weird, huh? Uh, That was not a lightweight fight. They were both over.
1: I'm just just calling it out. A small guy that small at 139, basically, at the next division up, really. I noticed that too, bro. Yeah, they (laughs) were trying to be slick, man. Okay. I know that. I'm off, man. All (laughs) All right. right. Thanks a
0: lot, brother. All right. Look, guys, I know people in the chat are like, what the fuck just happened? Look, man, it's not the craziest idea. This is boxing, guys. We've seen fighters literally wrestle a bear, Okay. We've seen some crazy shit. He is right that biologically, a 105 pound man doesn't have the same sort of advantages over a woman of the same size that a guy like me who's 220 has over a woman who's 220. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I just pictured a 220 pound woman. I shouldn't laugh. Oh my God. I'm so going to get canceled. All right. But seriously. It's not It's not out of the realm of, of craziness. Seriously, it's an interesting question. But for me, Estrada is more marketable than any of the male fighters at 105. Nobody wants to see the guys at 105 fight. You have to be really special at that weight to get attention. A guy like Chocolatito, really special, right? So guys, you know, he's at 115 now, but I'm saying he started at 105. People want to see guys like that fight at any weight. But none of those guys are stars, so it just doesn't make sense. All right, real quick uh, super chat from Anthony Santiago, thank you so much, brother. He says, Great show as always, Mike. I think Triple G needs to turn Canelo 3 into a complete firefight. Same mentality as Marquez in the fourth Pacquiao fight. This guy talking about Estrada is out of his mind. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny you, you make that comment because I think Steve Kim, my friend, uh, made a tweet. Saying kind of the same thing this weekend that that Golovkin should just go right out there uh against uh Canelo and just kind of go balls to the wall early on, like we saw with Marquez. That's an interesting thought because um, maybe that is the best way to go out. i, I don't know. I gotta think about that more. and then uh Kamik Atsi with the super chat, thank you so much. He says, I want what this caller is smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys again. I've heard crazier ideas. I have. Uh, Rolls Rod says Layla Ali versus Nico Ali Walsh. Uh, Shit. You know what? ESPN would fucking do that. And like Mark Kriegel would do like a really serious intro for that. shit. They'd actually do it. (laughs) Okay. Let's go back to the phones. Um, I think this is Nacho. What's up, man? How you doing?
3: All right, Mike. Yeah. uh, I'm not sure that that. That's even feasible, um, that idea of Chris's. I mean, I understand the logic, quote-unquote, that he's applying to it, but like you said, there's no one in that way. Like, can you imagine if Sinisa Estrada went up against uh, Julio Cesar Martinez? Oh, my God. I mean, he would mangle her. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? There's no way that I would put her in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is crazy. There's no way that you can put her. And and I was going to use an example of one guy that was in that weight range he was talking about and I think he would beat her down too. Um uh what's his name? I think his name is Felix Alvarado. He's Renee Alvarado's younger brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. He was a champion at 108. And that dude has heavy hands. Oh I mean her. that's insane. There's he'd no way her. Yeah, there's no way you could put a guy there. You literally would have to find a no hope off the street yeah. that couldn't punch through a wet paper bag in order to have a fight with trying to. You put any guy who's a world-class guy, they mop the floor with her. I'm sorry. (laughs) There's just no way. I wouldn't do it. Biology matters, bro. That would be legal murder.
0: Biology matters.
3: That would be, yeah, legal murder if you allowed that to happen. Um, Yeah, and then uh, I'm just going to touch on a few of the fights real quick because, I mean, I know there's a bunch of other people. Uh, Fundora Lubin, totally agree with you, Mike. I think Cunningham did his job. He tried his best to explain to Lubin during the fight what he needed to do but man, Fundora is just like a like a damn snowball rolling down a hill. Yeah. Once he gets going, it's almost impossible to withstand that pressure and that volume and he just got eaten up. Um, I give him a lot of credit for dropping Fundora which had never happened. Uh, I had never even seen a guy hurt him so I was very surprised that he was able to do that and, and drop Fundora but Man, Fundor just went back out there and just put it on him, and and good for Cunningham for stopping it. And like you said, I don't give a damn who it was. That was some bush league shit that they did throwing ice yeah. at him because he saved him from getting beat up. That yeah, like there's no reason to do that. Cunningham he did an outstanding
0: job. It did not deserve that. It just didn't deserve it.
3: Exactly. He he saved him from from not being able to to fight again if they mm. would have let him keep going out there. You know, he saved his career. Um, the other fight on there that, that I, mean, I thought was going to be better, but it ended up being one tighter was Tony Harrison put on a really good performance. He beat Sergio Garcia pretty handily. I was surprised. I thought Garcia would give him a better fight, but man, Harrison just took him apart relatively easily. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him take on um, Tim Zoo if mm. that fight can legitimately be made that'd be awesome. at some point or another, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good fight. Um, and then um, with the uh, Garcia to go, I never had much hopes for it to go Mike. I just thought he was a guy with a built up record, and once he got dropped by Garcia and he felt his power, like you said, he did everything he could just to be able to say he went the distance, and he was being negative as hell. So hopefully they, you know, they get another opponent in there who's going to actually fight back against Ryan Garcia. But my biggest issue is. Goosen literally needs to get to work with this kid. Like, he's got so many bad habits that he needs to break in order to, um, you know, get him better as far as, uh, you know, his style and everything. Because he's going to get beat fighting the way he fights. He's just too sloppy and and too reliant on power instead of setting up his shots. So, hopefully, you know, he gets another um, training camp or two and a couple more fights before he takes on a big name guy. Um, you know, with Goose And, and then um, the other one with um, the uh, the ESPN card. Oh, Santian, Santian, you know, he did his job. He went out there. The guy he beat, Barraza, same thing as to go, was just kind of trying to survive. And But Santian did what he had to do, and he went out there and he knocked the guy out. There was one little interesting tidbit I saw. Steve Kim uh, wrote about it earlier today in an article. He said Tim Bradley had told him that he went to Santian's team after the broadcast and said that they should go fight Josh Taylor at 147, And that they said that, no, that wasn't anything that they were interested in doing. And I'm thinking the guy is almost 30 years old. Like, what are you guys waiting for? Like, who who Mm -hmm. do you think is going to step up to fight the kid? Like, I don't think that's a bad idea. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him take on a guy who's moving up and is, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be his first fight to test him out. Uh, I mean, that's just strange to me that they wouldn't even consider it. They were just like, no, we don't want any part of that. I was like, oh, wow. And then lastly, Mike, with um, Golovkin Morada, I picked TKO 10 and he and I was pretty damn close and finished in nine. Um, I just felt that the reason it was going to go that long was because of uh, Gennady not fighting for over a year, almost a year and a half. I felt it was going to take him about three or four rounds to really shake off the rust and get in rhythm and kind of get his timing. And that's what happened. Like the first four rounds, Murata went out there and he put it on him and and Golovkin was struggling a little bit. But as soon as round five hit, it was like he found his second win. He figured Murata out and he just chopped him up slowly but surely. And then by the end, he just took him apart. And I think people who are like, Seriously, counting out uh, Golovkin, I think that's nuts. There's no way you count out a guy like him. He's going to be better prepared for Canelo. And anybody who discounts him, um, is that's at their own peril. So, all right, Mike, that's my call.
0: Awesome, man. Great stuff, Nacho. All
3: right, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. Can't count Golovkin out. Um, by the way, guys, Gail Falkenthal just uh, posted a statement from Matchroom Boxing. They said a huge demand for the store clash between Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano has led to additional tickets going on sale today as fight fans snap up the chance to witness history on Saturday, April 30th. So there you go. As I said at the very, very beginning of the show, you create demand. These women are going to make money, right? And there's demand for this Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano fight. People are looking forward to it. There's demand. When Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall fight later this year, there's going to be even bigger demand for that fight. That's going to be a huge fight over in the UK. I, I'm not trying to oversell it. I'm telling you the truth. That's a, that's, that's a big fight. So um, there's potential, and you just got to build it up the right way. So they're starting to figure it out. We're starting to figure it out. But we do need three-minute rounds for real, though. All right, back to the phones. Uh, let's go over to the UK. We've got a UK caller. 796, you are on the show. What's going on?
2: Hello, Mike. How hey, how's it
0: going? What's up, man? How you doing?
2: Yeah, nothing much. Nothing much. I, I watched the majority of the fights. I did pull the kids during the Ryan Garcia fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't blame you.
3: Like,
2: <laughs> I think that was probably worse than the Pacquiao Clotty fight. That was really bad. That yeah. was really hard to watch. But the Fandora fight was really good. The only thing is, do you think Fandora is good enough to become a world champion?
0: I think so um, at 154. I do. I, I think that yeah. uh, you got what Charlo and um, Castaño are going to fight. The winner of that's unified, but then they've got several mandatories to, to fight out, and eventually all those belts are going to get broken up. I see Fandora getting a piece of it at some point, yeah.
2: Yeah, the guys that can do, I, I'm not sure. Fondora, the thing that I'm impressed with about Fandora is the uppercut she was throwing, but He's one of those guys I could see getting knocked out. Like, I think it was the Bucks and round guys are saying he's similar to Paul Williams. Maybe not technically as good as him, but yeah. there is something about him that reminds me of Williams. And I was quite impressed. I did think Lubin that fight could have ended either way. I did think Lubin had a chance, but that was a pretty much a beatdown. I thought from I don't know what round onwards, but Lubin did score a knockdown as well towards. I think it was the second half of the fight, but yeah. I, I thought that was probably arguably the best fight of the
0: weekend. Yeah, I agree. It was. And uh, that was the fight I was most excited about. PBC had the best main event of all the American cards, mm-hmm. and, and it was a great uh, doubleheader from PBC because that Harrison fight, uh, that fight didn't turn out to be really great in terms of action, but the Harrison Garcia fight was good on paper. So that was a nice doubleheader from PBC this weekend.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I want to quickly touch on the Golovkin fight. I I subscribe to The Zone. I don't know. Like, I've seen a lot of people criticizing Golovkin. As a fan, I thought I got my money's worth after that fight. I think now you can make a legitimate case. He's a Hall of Famer. I thought he was probably a Hall of Famer before that fight. But after that fight, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Cause I've seen guys saying like guys like Walder should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know about that. Like the people like Walder, Javante Davis, like a lot of these American guys, I think they need to do, do more. But I do think uh, at the moment it's hard to say Golovkin's the all time great. Uh, I don't know what you think about that. But I, I think if he wins that third fight with Canelo, then I think he's got a valid case. But at the moment, uh, I'd probably think he's a Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, he's. He was a Hall of Famer before the Murata fight, and he's certainly a Hall of Famer now. If he beats Canelo, you got to remember this. Golovkin will be moving up to 168, fighting for the undisputed super middleweight championship of the world. So if he somehow were to beat Canelo, and it's a long shot, right? But if he were, he would be the simultaneous, simultaneous unified middleweight title holder and undisputed super middleweight champion of the world. And he'd be doing that at 40 and a half. That would be unprecedented. That would put him in a whole nother conversation. Right now, he's already a Hall yeah. of Famer. Yeah, I,
2: I think he has a chance. So I, I, I do obviously heavily favor Canelo, but I think the, it's funny that you mentioned someone was talking about the pacquiao marquez uh, fourth fight. When the fight ended, that was the that was the immediate thought I had. I thought if Colombian's going to beat him, he's going to have to throw everything in the first five six rounds. But I'm not sure if he could take Canelo out, I mean he is a big puncher but I think Canelo would have to make a mistake for him to get knocked out like this mm-hmm. anything's possible but if I was to say, at the moment I'd say it's probably about 70-30 or 65-35 in Canelo's favor. but you never know because someone also was making a good point they both fought 24 rounds so maybe Glovkin may have a chance, you never know, but I just I don't know, I find it hard to see Glovkin winning over 12 rounds uh he is 40, and I think he is showing his age. And to me, it seems like Canelo's getting better and better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The, the only intangible I'd throw out there is the move to 168. Uh, does that benefit Golovkin, or does it hurt him? We won't know till we know.
2: Yeah. Do, do you think, um, one thing I was going to say, do you think outside Batavia, if, uh, Golovkin has the best chance? Cause yes. I know he's fighting Bivol, but not many people are picking Bival in that fight, I uh, realize.
0: I think that Golovkin, and I've been saying this for years, Golovkin has a better chance and of beating Canelo, even if he loses, which the odds state he he likely will. But he will give Golovkin a better fight than Caleb Plant, Billy Joe Saunders, and Callum Smith all did. Demetri Bivol, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I still want to see how that but fight guys, plays out. Uh, Bevel,
2: Benavidez, do you Benavidez, do you think they possess more? Because I think... I do think golovkin has got the experience. The only thing is he's 40. And yeah. I don't know. I, I do think some people are underreaching Morata because I think Morata is a better win than anyone, Shalo and Andrade has beaten. So I I don't know. Like, I think some people are completely over being overcritical. I do think you've got to give a win for knocking on Morata because I don't think he had been knocked down before that fight. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think Canelo is just. He's on a different level. I think it's of the course. body, the body work. I do think Canelo will target it, but I think Golovkin has to throw the kitchen sink in the first six rounds.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting strategy. Um, you know, Canelo does start slow and that could play into Golovkin's favor, try to catch him cold, try to you know bust him up a little bit. Um, I got to think more about that fight. But I do, I just, I have a gut feel that it will be a, another competitive fight.
2: Who, who do you think has a better chance? Golovkin against Canelo or Usyk against
0: Joshua? Usyk against Joshua has a better chance to win. Of course. I mean, Usyk already beat Josh. Are you talking about Joshua over no, Usyk? No,
2: I mean Joshua, yeah. Um, yeah,
0: yeah that's what I mean. Uh, Joshua has a better chance against Usyk because he's the A-side. He's the, um, the bigger name. I think that he'll get, um, if he does any better, Joshua, in the rematch, there will be a grading on a curve from some of the judges because, again, judges shouldn't go into fights with memories, but they do. And if they see him look any better, they might shade a couple rounds for him that maybe he didn't really win. So I could see, and then remember, man, Usyk has been in a war-torn country, uh, not training for you know a handful of months. So uh, how is he going to look coming back? You know. We don't know.
2: I think if, uh, I want to say one last thing. If Usyk is as good as half as good as he was in that first fight I think he could stop him. But yeah. Like you said psychologically we don't know where he is. But I will say one thing uh, I do think Golovkin has got a chance in this fight. But I heavily favour Canelo after that performance that the Derechenko fight, but
0: yes, I would
2: have to see how Canelo does against B. If if that's a, I know B. wall and Glock are completely different fighters, but if that's like a fight that Canelo looks really bad in, then I'll I'll have to kind of think about it because I think some people may be overreaching that is Achille Plant and I agree, Alan Smith. But I you know, agree, but it's interesting to see, it's interesting to see what happens. So, thanks for taking my
0: call. All right, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, brother.
2: Take
0: yeah, I I listen for Canelo, the guys he's been fighting, they're good fighters. They're just not they're not great, and they're not on the level of a guy like Golovkin. I don't even think they're on the level of Bevel. I I just now look, maybe maybe Beevil isn't the guy we think he is. And maybe Canelo and his team see something that we're all not seeing. We'll find out very soon. We'll find out in a month, right? But I do think Beevil's going to give Canelo a tough fight. Um, and that will help prepare him for that Golovkin fight. If he was going right into the third fight with Golovkin, coming off of Caleb Plant and Billy Joe Saunders, um, I think that benefits benefit Triple G a lot. The one question I have, what if the fight with Beevil for Canelo is really tough and Beevil and really puts some leather on him and it's a proper seven rounds to five kind of a fight and Canelo gets the decision, you know, it's in Vegas, you guys do the math, but he takes some punishment in that fight and gets beat up a little bit and takes that damage into the third fight with Golovkin. Would that change your guys' minds at all about how you see that fight? Or do you think it wouldn't matter? Uh, there's a lot that that's going to happen between now and that rubber match in September, a lot. So just remember that. All right. Maybe a couple more calls guys. Uh, this might actually be the last one. 818 you yeah. on the show. What's up?
1: Hey, Mike, I'll make this very quick. Um, I just want to be put on the record that you took Spence, but I just see a lot of different intangibles with you know the Cuban style of of Ugas that I'm going to say. And you know, you were talking about tpc's business model of trying to um, keep Spence for that, you know, or uh, court him for that that uh, being their top welterweight. I I personally still think what decision. I I just, with all the things I've gone outside of the ring for Spence, it is going to play a big factor. Um, I, you know, being off and on, not really um, with, uh, with, with the eye injury, obviously with, the, with the car I and mean, he hasn't been on a consistent basis of fights. So I think that's going to be a bigger, uh, bigger uh, key factor going into that fight. Is just what, what, Type of Spence do we see? Do we see the Spence pre injury, uh, or or do we see something better, more stronger, more you know, more elusive? I
0: mean, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, it's it's a great question. We don't know if if all of that inactivity and the injuries have taken something out of Spence. If they have, then Ugas has a real chance at this. I just have a feeling that Spence is fully recovered. And he's just a level above Ugas. But, hey, if I'm wrong, I'd I'd be happy to be wrong. I'd be happy to see, like, a 50-50 great fight like that. That'd be awesome.
1: That would. That would. But, anyway, I know it's the end of the show, so I, that's all I wanted to get in. There was other stuff, but I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for doing a great show. I, I looked to here on Monday. So Thanks a lot, care. man. Thanks
0: a lot. And I'm sorry we had to rush you off, man, because he's been on hold for an hour. Uh, guys, I'm going to go to one last caller, and then, um, and then that's it, okay? And this has got – you got like literally 90 seconds. <laughs> there we got to go. Nine five one. you got like a minute and a half. Go.
1: Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Um, just real quick, a quick uh, rewrap of the, the great weekend of fights. Um, Golovkin Murata, Triple G started slow. Um, but you know, as the old adage goes, man, the the power is the last thing to go. And uh, Golovkin showed he still has that thunder in those hands, and uh, he stopped Murata. Credit to him. Um, looking forward to the Canelo fight. I'm gonna have to disagree with you. Um, I honestly think Canelo can punish could punish him. Um, I just think it's that that third fight is past the expiration date. Um, you know, Golovkin's forty, Canelo's what thirty one. He's just at the peak of his prime. I just, um, uh, I think, uh, you know, with that body attack late, late in the fight, he could put, put a hurt on Golovkin. Um, but, um, so, you know, but wait, we got to see, cause, uh, obviously Canelo has a tough task with Bebo. Mm-hmm. That's no easy fight by any means. I think Bebo could really surprise some people. Um, real quick, the other fights, uh, Fundora, oh, man, what a, what a dichotomy that guy has of. You know when you look at his height with how he fights, it's just it's it's funny, man. It's, but you know he makes it work. He's a great inside fighter shooting those shooting those uppercuts. Um, and then last thing because I know I'm short on time here, um, Ryan Garcia, I mean I think I think the kid' has got he's got good attributes. um he's got kind of blistering speed and good power, mm-hmm. but um he doesn't set up those shots. I mean, I don't think togo had anything for him, so I think that's why Ryan kind of just caution me the win. But in future fights, you know, when you when you get in there, especially against a guy like St. Davis, you've got to pop that jab, man. You've got to set up those shots, because if you're just wailing big shots, you're going to get caught with something big in between. And, you know, to tinkle, um, you know, kill your lights out. Yeah. Um, you know, so to speak. But um, but but that's it, man. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate you doing the show and everything. So
0: thanks a thank lot. You. man. I appreciate it. Good stuff. All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Women of the Night asks, Mike, you said in the aftermath of the Triple G Murata fight that Murata would not be the same. What is it that makes you say fighters aren't the same after facing Triple G? Great question, man. Um, I think it's a combination of things, but I just think he is a guy who punches through the target. He's crazy accurate. Uh, He's kind of like Chocolatito, um, just a heavier version of it. And um, he's going to get you to the body, to the head with both hands. He just seems to bludgeon, guys. He just seems to wear guys out. Um, it's not a one-punch knockout kind of a thing. It's a methodical kind of beating they take. And they're just not the same afterwards. So we've seen that with several guys he's fought, right? And um, it, it just, look, Derevyanchenko, now Murata. There's other guys I could point to. Just not the same. And I don't think Murata will be the same. All right, guys. Great show. We're over two hours. Uh, I'll see you Friday for the um, for the Friday wrap up. Until then, have a great, great week. All right. I'll see you at the fights. Peace.